Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Tracy Ray from the employment law firm of Baron Lehman. Tracy says that OPB sponsorship is a great way to support the community and connect with Baron Liebman's clients. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Jeff Norcross. The COVID-19 pandemic is still affecting our lives in all kinds of ways. People who taught driver's education retreated from that work during the time of social distancing, and they haven't come back. The state of Oregon has a shortage of driver's ed instructors right now. We're going to talk about what this means for people who want to take those courses and what's being done to fix the problem. Michelle Godfrey is the public information officer for the Oregon Department of Transportation. And Nancy Hawsey is the program manager for the High Desert Driver Education Program in Central Oregon. Michelle, Nancy, welcome to Think Out Loud. Thank you, Jeff. Michelle, you're first. Uh, How many instructors do we have in the state right now and how many do we need? Well, currently we have 291 state certified instructors and not all of them are necessarily working. Uh, We need as many as we can can have because we're under providing driver education around the state. And we're especially concerned about rural areas that aren't getting as much instruction as they could benefit from. And that's the key thing is that the value of Oregon teen drivers education is that Teens who take driver's education are 25% less likely to be in a crash. They have a 57% lower rate of traffic convictions. They can save 15% on their car insurance. And for the teen, they get to waive their driver's test and do half the practice time they need to get their license. So it's really a win-win to be able to get the program, but providing it is a real challenge right now. Well, what is that shortage meant for those kids who want to take the program? Well, it likely means that they have to wait longer to get into a course or they have to be inconvenienced by driving farther to get to one uh, or go to another area. It's uh, yeah, it's a challenge. Yeah. And have to have to have somebody drive them there, of course. Uh, Exactly. Nancy Hawsey, you're in Central Oregon. Uh, How many openings do you have? Well, we um, currently have three new um, instructors that just started from our spring training that we hosted here in Central Oregon. But of course, we need more, especially behind the wheel instructors. Uh, Our enrollment is solely based on how many students can be actually driven during the program. So we can put 30 students in a classroom with one instructor, but each one of those 30 students has to get in a car with a behind the wheel instructor. So if we don't have those instructors lined up, then we have to limit our enrollment. Yeah. Uh, What does it mean for what does it mean for a kid who wants to take the course but can't? What What are the other options for them? Well, we do have a new program that started here in Central Oregon and which we're excited to have them join us for the driving programs. It's actually one of our employees that she and her husband decided to own their own, uh, start their own driver's ed program, which was great. But even so, we are, we have a wait list of sometimes 50 to 100 students that can't get into one of our sessions. And what has this meant for your team workload-wise? I mean, I know you, you can't take on more students than 30, but uh, has it meant that the, that the instructors you do, do have have had to work more? Right. Um, well, we can take on more than 30. For instance, last summer we were able to have twice as many pro, um, classes in Bend and Redmond, 
and one in Madras. But this year we only had we were able to have two thirty um, student classes in in Ben that st- starts next week, and then two here in Redmond. So we had to reduce our numbers quite a bit. So yes, um, and then I am a part time in manager and I'm also an instructor and we only have one full-time instructor on um, in our program and the other ones are at will which means that each session I have to find out what they're available for so that is a limitation also when I only have so many instructors and they can either say yeah i want to work or no i want this session off so it's it's a challenge Hmm. why do they have that kind of flexibility i guess i'm guess i'm asking what kind of people show up for this kind of work and what are their circumstances right a lot of them are retired instructors from maybe i I know we have a retired policeman we have had um, instructors that have been retired from UPS. We have current instructors that are full-time employees either in the school district and want this as a second income or in other types of employment. So it, it's just uh, that's just how our, our program is set up. Our program really can't support more than the full-time people that we have on board right now and they most of our employees like that so that they can work when they're available especially if they're retired michelle godfrey i mentioned the pandemic as a major driver of the shortage what are some of the other ones uh yeah well uh, one key factor is the shortage of instructor trainers Uh, we have about 10 trainer of trainers right now for the Oregon Teen Driver Education Program. And they do this as a second job. Uh, Some of them are school teachers or administrators of programs. And the course, uh, courses to train trainers takes nine to 10 weeks, and it's all hosted on weekends. It'll take up the entire weekend sometimes. So, you know, those people who have full-time jobs may not be able to commit to that amount of extracurricular time um so yeah it's uh it's very challenging we've been trying to offer uh nancy's talking about the spring academy that they have we offer these three-week academies in areas of uh eastern and rural other rural areas of oregon uh where uh, an instructor candidate would go every day full days uh, for three weeks in order to be certified as an instructor and while that's a concentrated amount of time it is a serious time commitment um and that's because the extent of the training that's required as nancy was describing you need to have behind the wheel training you need to have um you know very specific training in classroom instruction to to work with kids and to uh, be able to convey the the material in a way that they'll be able to retain so that's challenging yeah and i'm hearing a theme developing here it seems like the driver's ed program in oregon relies heavily on people who can work part-time or at will and that seems to be limiting it seems to be and we you know we lost so many uh during the pandemic not just because uh you know folks didn't want to be in a car with someone because you can't distance uh, social distance in a vehicle but we also had to close a number of uh schools and and programs be because of that and without opportunities for certified instructors to be able to teach, they're not likely to stay in the program. So that's a key component as well as 
being able to assure uh, an instructor uh, that they'll be able to, you know, teach a course and get their their hours once they've been certified. And having more and more driver ed courses feeds into that instructor demand. So, you know, it all works together. We need more instructors, we need more courses, we need more trainer of trainers. And it all really just comes down to funding. More funding allows us to have more people on the ground, allows us to sponsor more courses more often and in more areas. From your position at the Oregon Department of Transportation, why, why is this concerning when it comes to public safety and the law? Well, you know, um, driver education is not mandatory. Uh, A student can study the driver manual. Uh, All the information is in there. They can study that closely and pass their their exam. And they can, uh, with 100 hours of practice time with a licensed adult, they can fulfill the driving time requirements. So it's not necessary to get into a driver education program, but you know, the, the statistics show that when kids get into to the program, you know, they're less likely to be involved in crashes, they're less likely to um, you know, be involved in traffic convictions. Uh, the safety rate uh, is really significant, especially for those young kids in their first year of driving, age 16, 17. It's really important that they have a good solid basis for understanding the rules of the road and get the experience behind the wheel that they need. If you're just tuning in, we're talking right now about the shortage of driver's education instructors in Oregon. Michelle Godfrey is a public information officer for the Oregon Department of Transportation. And Nancy Hawsey is the program manager for high desert driver education in Central Oregon. Uh, Nancy, let's turn to you. Um, What is your pitch to attract potential instructors? How do you get them to come on board? Well... We have done a lot of recruiting, especially since we were hosting that spring training here, because without those trainings here in Central Oregon, any recruit has to go over the mountain to Salem, Eugene, uh, for for the most part, for that certification program. And so when we, we talk to the potential employee, of course, we're wanting to know what their background is, but... Um, One of the stumbling blocks is the fact, matter of fact, this morning I had a man man stop by. He wanted to see about the position, and when I started talking about it and the certification, he went, oh, wait a minute, Um, I wanted to do something this summer. Well, there's just the the program, the training is necessary. It's, It's very complete. It's put on by Western Oregon University, but it is quite lengthy, and it goes it's weekends in this next one we have starting September 9th in Central Oregon. It's going to be eight weekends. But what's exciting about that is three of those w- classes are going to be on Zoom. So if they can't commit to the whole date of that training, then they're not going to be able to get certified. So I can't just throw somebody the keys that say, hey, this sounds like a great job and have them driving in a week or two. So it is a pretty l- lengthy training necessary training, but it detours some people if it's something that they need a job right away. What about the money? Is it enough money for people? Well, it's um, it's not it's not bad. It's it's something that we hope to increase the hourly rate as we increase our enrollment. Just and because the more students we have, the more funding we're a not for profit here at the ESD. And we don't have a lot of um, 
right now we don't have any grants that come in to to um, subsidize any of the tuition for our students. So they do have to pay uh, tuition. And of course, we get um, some funding from ODOT for everyone, for all the students that graduate or complete the program. So um, it's that's the frustration. It's a constant recruiting for us where we're always looking for people that are interested, but then we have to fit them into that training, which is sometimes tricky. Yeah. Okay. It sounds like there are two major objections here. It's the time commitment for the training, which people didn't realize they would have to be so in for when they first signed up, and maybe secondarily the money. How do you address those hurdles with them? How do you how do you get around those concerns? Well, we do pay a stipend for the time that they have to take the training. We offer that after they have committed and been hired by us and where they work. We have a six to seven week session. We have six of those every year. And once they have worked for us and shown a commitment to our program, then we give them that reimbursement for their time. And we also pay the tuition, reimburse them for the tuition for the training. Okay. And yeah, and we also pay um, for anyone that is a PERS employee, we pay their PERS. So that is an added um, benefit to them as well on top of the hourly. Okay. So, uh, Michelle, it seems like there is, uh, you know, there are efforts afoot to try to close this gap. And in the meantime, for students who want to take the course and they end up getting waitlisted, are there other options for them? What can they do instead, if anything? Yeah, well, uh, the best thing I'd recommend is to, you know, work with your parents and <laughs> perhaps do your own stuff, study at home, design a training program. It, it does put more burden on parents. And I, I get it that that's hard. Or maybe there's another adult sponsor that some uh, I could go to to work with them on uh, studying the manual and getting the practice time. That's the key thing is the more time behind the wheel, the safer the driver is going to be once they get licensed. That's why we have, you know, after a year, um, less and less restrictions on on drivers and their behaviors. So um, yeah, uh, and there are also other driver education programs that are not necessarily Oregon Teen Driver Education. Now you know, be careful as you're um, evaluating those programs. They may not allow the teen to. Uh, take the exam as part of the program. They may still have to uh, take the driver test um, and they may still require the 100 hours of practice behind the wheel with an adult signing off. Um, so the benefit of that is that they get the safety education that is so valuable in preventing crashes and accidents and uh, harm to the teen driver. But uh, you still have to go through what you would normally have to go through if you were just doing it yourself. Um, so, you know, there are clearly advantages to taking the Oregon Teen Driver Education Program. So we would love to be able to offer more and more courses and get into more areas of the state more frequently. I'm very encouraged by, you know, the proliferation of Zoom and online uh, options for people where they can do part of the courses online. But 
you know, the challenge is, is you just can't clep out of any part of the program. You've got to be there every day that it's offered. We can't even offer an excuse for really even one day of the program because that's some kind of critical piece of safety that that instructor might miss. Um, but being able to offer more flexible options like the three-week program in at High Desert and uh, the, you know, four-month program that are offered in other areas on weekends, different types of modes, hybrid courses, all this kind of stuff allows us to be a little more flexible. Okay. Well, Nancy Haas, uh, Hazi, for anybody who's listening and might think this might be a good program to be a part of and they want to be an instructor, I'm curious, what inspired you to get into driver's ed, especially for teens? Well, I, I always... Um joke with my students that when when I when it came through I was working at the the notice that they needed drivers I was working at the school district part-time and then I was a part-time dance instructor so, so I thought well I could do this so I applied for it and didn't realize that it was going to involve so much training but it so initially it was just a, an extra way to make money. But as I got into it, this is my 11th year, I've realized how important this program is to our young teens. And now uh, this is my second full-time year with the program, and my, I'm going into my second year of managing the program and, and still instructing, which I enjoy tremendously. It's such a rewarding experience to see these kids get behind the wheel, especially the ones that are so timid and so afraid of driving, and see their confidence built. And and then also having the students that have a lot of driving experience that maybe come to the program with some bad habits that, that they acquired somewhere along the line and trying to level that out so that they become safer. But it's, it's a very rewarding um, profession. And uh, we have wonderful instructors that enjoy doing this on a part-time basis. Mm. And yeah, yeah. Last question for both of you. I need a short answer, though. Who taught you how to drive? Nancy? I took it in high school. Huh. Michelle, how about you? Required. Yeah, it was in Southern California, and it was part of our curriculum. Huh. Michelle, how about you? Yep. High school driver's education class, uh, yeah, in, in Missouri, where right. I went to high school, for sure. It was mom and dad for me. Michelle, <laughs> Nancy, thanks so much. You're welcome. My pleasure. Yeah, Michelle Godfrey is the public information officer for ODOT, and Nancy Hazy is the program manager for High Desert Driver Education. If you don't want to miss any of our shows, listen with the NPR One app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our nightly rebroadcast is at 8 p.m. Thanks for tuning in to Think Out Loud on OPB and KLCC. I'm Jeff Norcross. Have a great day. Think Out Loud is supported by... Steve and Jan Oliva, the Rose E. Tucker Charitable Trust, and Michael, Kristen, Andrew, and Anna Kern. Think Out Loud and OPB's critical reporting from all across the Northwest happen only with the support of our members. Do your part now and join in as a sustainer at opb.org slash pod.